Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where a father and son sit down and talk about things in fantasy. I'm the son of that equation, Zach. And I'm the father, Jim. Thanks for being with us again today for another one of our regular episodes. We're going to dive into some Wheel of Content. Wheel of yes, Content. Yes, Wheel, of, Wheel content of Content time. We're going to go into Wheel of Time content this today. This time, we're popping into the content of the wheel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but... Before we get to all of that stuff, we'll talk about our regular touch base and business stuff, and then we'll move on to an episode. Speaking of that, how are you doing, Dad? Man, you're going first again. (laughs) He's like taking charge. My little boy is growing up. Ew, no, you could say it first next time. (laughs) (laughs) I am doing fine. You know, I've been having a great time just interacting with the wheel of time fandom the Mm -hmm. fantasy fandom trying to catch up on some podcasts while of course doing regular work and a little more than regular work because your mother and i are going on vacation next week so i've been thinking what do i have to have done before i'm gone for a week Mm -hmm. because my job is very heavily tied to communication which is phone calls internet email zoom And when I go on vacation... You do none of that? Right. I'm supposed to ignore all of that. So... Supposed to, being the operative term. Supposed to, yes. So there's a hard, okay, what has to happen so I can be off the grid for a while? And so I've been working on that. But again, it's balanced with the fun of thinking, okay, how do we cover our podcast content? Make sure things still roll out. As well as staying on top of what's happening with other people's content. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. tied to that. Okay. I leave for vacation on Saturday. Yes. On Sunday, we're on a podcast episode with Mel Kier Talks. Yes, but by the time this episode actually comes out, that's like That'll a week and a half ago. Have, and his episode will probably come out before ours does, because we're, you know... Recording a little bit ahead exactly, this time. Exactly. But in preparation for that, I was catching up on some of his more recent episodes. And he's had some guests on recently, and one of the ones he just had on was Gleeman Twitch. Hmm. Yeah. The Gleeman's Apprentice podcast is a great podcast. If you haven't checked it out, you should. Go do it. And it's it's delightful. And honestly, the two of them, Twitch and Mandy Cat, are ones I want to get on our episode, our podcast at some Oh, absolutely. Point. They're great people, but they're also ones where their style is he's read all of Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. She was, this was hilarious, she was a first-time reader that he he got to try Wheel of Time, and then the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. and he had encouraged her, but then while everyone's locked down, she started reading, and he didn't know. <laughs> and then she finished book four, The Shadow Rising, and that's when he found out she'd been already into it now. And he's like, hey, 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 I have an idea. Let's do a podcast. Stop reading. Which is very counterintuitive, especially to, like, anyone who actually, you know, likes reading. (laughs) So they've been recording their podcast now for months, working their way through the Wheel of Time. And they are now into the Shadow Rising. Yes. But they've been moving in big chunks. They've been going very quickly to get through the things that she's already read. Yes. So she can actually read again. 
But of course, he's not. He's trying not to give big reveals mm-hmm. and such while she's still exploring what she's going through for the second time. And when they get to the end of the Shadow Rising, then they'll be first time for her. And very entertaining kind of. But they're both very engaging people. As long as we don't like past them in where we are in the and book. And we won't. We won't. Because I think their chunks will slow down when they get to the new stuff for her. But even so, they're going to be a couple books ahead of us. So we could have them on and talk all we want about what we're covering because they'll be farther along. We won't ruin it for her. So we'll have to chat with them and see about when we'll be doing that. That's right. So that's what's in my thoughts right now. Also on vacation, I'm going to try to plan out a few weeks, months, of our recording schedule. <laughs> and we'll see how that works with what your life is doing. So, Zach, how oh, are things going for you? Goodness. Uh, things are going well. I So, I've mentioned I'm moving. I do have an apartment now completely they like, approved you? squared away. I got approved and like signed lease stuff. So I I only know I guaranteed it. So, if he flakes, I have to pay. But, but they didn't I tell won't be me flaking, you were approved. So it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I got all the lease information and stuff, and I like signed everything away. So, okay. That's I good. signed away That's my good. life. Yay. You signed away our lives. Technically. <laughs> so I still... have no doubt that he will come yeah. through. There's still a number of things I need to take care of before I actually move, but I won't be doing that for a little while. How here. many of the utilities are covered with that rent? Uh, not a lot. Oh, crap. Most of them are <laughs> done through a little bit of a kind of extra bill on top, but still small through. One of them I have to pay direct. Which is? Electricity. Which is fairly standard for apartments and stuff. Okay. Uh, the things that are metered to the building, like the sewage water stuff. Flat fee. That's, yeah, spread through the apartment complex right. stuff. Right. Probably more than they need to hear now. Absolutely. Sorry, you can Sorry cut, guys. You can cut plenty of that because oh, no, chances I are I said plenty of false things too, even <laughs> though I'm pretty sure I didn't. But no, I'm getting ready for that. And before that, getting ready to go up to Alaska for a wedding. Um, it's two directions. First, you're going to go to the largest state. Then and you're going to go to the second largest state. Well, the way I put it is I'm going Texas to the largest like, state. Texas doesn't like to hear about and that. And then the state that thinks it's the largest. We have a lot of listeners in Texas. Sorry, and guys. I'm about to be in Texas. I'm about to become one of you. Kind of. It'll probably be a few years before I actually like admit that I <laughs> live in Texas and am from Texas. I just like growing up on the West Coast, having grained in me that uh, Texas... I lived close to Texas for five years. Down in Nolens. Yeah. Sweet time. But speaking of sweet time. Yes. You're drinking something. I am. Is it sweet? Well, eh, not exactly. It is alcohol, though. Keeping with my weird trend of actually making a drink when we record in the evening. (laughs) So we're recording this on a Thursday. It's been a little gloomy. So I went around and made a rainy Wednesday (laughs) because that makes sense. It is two ounces of brandy and then three ounces of soda. I used club soda because I wasn't entirely sure what the recipe meant. I thought that was what it meant. Um, just It said soda? It just said soda. Probably could have been Coke. So if I make another one when I finish this, I'm probably Coke right yeah, I'm, I'm going to use Coke instead because I found it had too much of the club soda-y mm. almost bitterness to it, in my opinion there. Yeah. So on your recommendation, I threw a little bit of Southern Comfort in there, and it's a little tastier. It's still going down fairly well and easily. It's a nice sipping drink, but it's not one I'll uh, choose to make this specific way again. What are you drinking? 
Well, before I mention it, do you know why I have Coca-Cola in the house? Probably booze. A mixer of some no, sort. No, no. You make a, it in it a recipe? That was a fair guess, but uh, it was for cooking. Yeah, that was my other guess. I, mean, I, I do the cooking in the house. Uh, normally, I don't drink soda except as a slight mixer in some beverages. It's already open. What did you make that had that? Yesterday's steak stroganoff. The stroganoff had Coke in the it? The stroganoff cooked for eight hours and had a whole can of Coke I in it. I should specify, yes, a can of Coke. Yes, not that kind. Don't even know what that looks like, other than what the TV sure shows us. Pretty we know us. what it looks no, like. No, only if what they put in Hollywood is accurate. We've never seen the... Have you seen the stuff, my seen son? Seen it? Sure. Used oh, it? No. Oh, oh. Seriously? Have... You've seen it? Yeah. Holy crap! <laughs> what the... I have never done cocaine, and I never will. Yes, I've seen it. I've never been around <laughs> anyone who has enough money to have it. <laughs> well, back in those days. I knew a couple rich people oh my things. goodness thank you for saying you've never done it hopefully you mean it i do i've never done it and i never <sighs> will i've always been partial to drugs never poison sometimes because alcohol is technically considered a poison that's yeah, true yeah anyway so a whole can of coca-cola and that was good stuff last night steak yeah no, and I, there's more that i intend to have when you guys are on vacation that's right we're cooking extra food this week, so he has stuff to sustain himself while we're gone. So now that they've heard about 10 minutes of our eating and drinking habits. <laughs> so my drink tonight, I don't have a recipe for because I just went with an Old Faithful. It's a Long Island iced tea. Which you do have a recipe for, but you don't make it based on whatever that recipe once was. It's much stronger than that. No, no, it's that recipe. It's the same percentages. You've posted this one before, yes? Yeah, I have. And it's still good. All right. So, enough about all that. One little de detail before we move into chapter 33 tonight. A little tidbit you noticed. And that is, we have a new nation with people downloading our podcast. At least to the best of our knowledge. If we've missed you in the past, or we've already mentioned you, either we're mentioning you now, or we're mentioning you again. I'm pretty sure they've not been on the radar before, and that's Uganda. We have some people, multiple, because it's not just one download, multiple downloads in the nation, the African nation of Uganda. Welcome. Yeah, glad to have you with us. We also have had an uptick in downloads in Brazil. Now, they were the one that entered South America into yeah. the list, but suddenly, ooh, there's a bunch more in Brazil. They're still going strong. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you with us. Or as we like to always joke around with France... A lot of VPNs. Oh, I know that's the case with <laughs> France. There can't be that many people listening to us in France. And if there are, please talk to us. Let us know. No one ever has emailed us or social media saying, I'm from France. No At least one. not, not yet. a lot. So that is a challenge for you. If you are from France, prove it. And if you speak French and send an email in French anyways fool us because it'll be funny yeah. and don't be some idiot in quebec saying i'm from france <laughs> no french canadians do not count we don't want any you count you're valid just i mean you're not great by french. yourself you don't have to pretend to be from paris all right <laughs> <laughs> now that we've gotten done offending Irritated enough people all of the people in quebec okay chapter 33 a message from the dark this picks up right where we left off in chapter 32. We're still at Lord Barthanus Damadred's manor. It's kind of a mouthful. It is. Eh, Kyrianans. 
Rand is following Hurin down through the servants' area. Yes, where Matt is supposedly injured. He fell yes, and hurt yes, his leg. his body servant. He fell. And of course, Matt is not injured. Not even close. This was just a ruse. And Hurin explains, I, I just needed a way to get you out. I have tracked the dark friends who stole the Horn of Allier to a walled garden out behind the manor house. And there Trollocs joined them. Yes, I can smell the Trollocs. And they've all gone inside this walled off area and no one's come out. There's no trail coming back out. They're still in there. And I know, you know, they had the horn. We can assume they have the ruby-hilted Shader Logoth dagger as well. Rand comments on how Huron is, hey, it's nice to hear Lord Rand out of your mouth again instead of all this my lord, my lord crap. Yeah, well, apparently um, Huron's not really feeling the Kyrianan way anymore. He was so much before. We need to prove we know how it's done. We know what's proper. And so he was kind of like buying into that, and especially with his need for the structure of this title system it really like called to him and well he saw the behind the scenes yeah spending some real honest time with kyrian and servants he's seen how willing they are in private to sell out every last secret of the people they serve they have no real loyalty while in public they are super proper you get them behind closed doors and they're just shit talking all over the place i I don't want to be like that nope nope how you doing lord rand what's up man i actually like you so let's pretend that that (laughs) never happened so they arrive where matt is waiting for them and hey loyal is there too what a good puppy dog so he wasn't the only one gathered but no ingtar no varin and hiran explains i tried to get them too but uh, Ingtar had gotten himself trapped amongst some ladies, and he, I couldn't pull him away. It's okay, Lord Rand knows all about he that. He does. And Varen, she was actually talking to Barthanus and stared daggers at Huron when he even started to approach and went, Oh, no, I'm out. Not touching that. We don't so, mess with the Aes Sedai business. We no, don't do that. No, so it's just you guys. And we four will have to figure out what to do next now. So Loyal is really glad to see Rand as well. Mm-hmm. He is so happy to be away from the nobles. Absolutely. Why is he glad to be away from the nobles, Zach? Well, he didn't have the experience. Um... Women weren't throwing themselves at him? No, something about the eyebrows just kind of like threw him off. <laughs> no, no, that wouldn't throw them off. That yeah. throws him off. No, no, they were throwing He's into the eyebrows. Head. Okay, this is a little ahead of things, though. No, his, hint, hint. His eyebrows. Loyal is into eyebrows. He's too hairy for them, is what I'm saying. <laughs> they like their men with a little less fur. Um, <laughs> but while he's big, and that's Wait, you exciting, think he has fur? Well, I mean, when... Okay, when your eyebrows are described as being able to droop all the way to your chin, that's ridiculous and a little bit fur-like. Because I had a friend in Alaska whose eyebrows were pretty darn bushy. They were nowhere near that bushy. Okay, and not like, that. If you've and got he might listen to the podcast, on your so. ears. Sorry, dude, that's, if that was you thinking that's I was talking about you. Yes, we grow hair in our ears, but not to that extent. Well, I know the hair grows in the ears Plus, these days. I personally kind of <laughs> sit here and go, Loyal's a little bit like a, like a puppy dog. So I'm going to just think of him as one. So what... Anyways. Why are they after him? And it's not just the women. No, it's... it's all the nobles. It's simply because he's an Ogier. And specifically, Loyal's learned through this interaction that he's probably the only Ogier in town. Everyone not keeps... Not probably. Everyone keeps asking... Well, I mean, someone else may have snuck in somewhere at some point. We don't know. <laughs> I'm suspending my disbelief that somebody might be a sneaky Ogier. Some rebel Ogier. But all the Ogier stonemasons, they all left. They did. They, they got did. 
fed up because King Galdran, who had hired them to help for many years now rebuild the topless towers of, of Kyrian, yep. he quit paying them. Mm-hmm. All he was paying now was promises. Why do you think he quit paying them real money, Zach? Well, the most likely thing in my brain, he broke. Mm-hmm. Or at least mostly. I mean, why else are you putting like your last efforts into excavating a statue to lift your glory up, if not to get people f- not focused on the fact that you don't have any money? Yeah, his reputation will only pay for so much. He, uh, I, I agree with you. This is I, not I think Rome. The coffers are low. This is not Rome. Your best and most ex- valuable good is not your name and your honor. It's money. Well, money about, matters. Where does a king's money come from? Taxes. Who pays taxes? Nobles and all those people who own land well, around your your nation. Well, a lot of the people who own land have left the land and moved into town because of the IEO fear. A king's money does not purely come from taxes. A government's money theoretically comes from taxes and any government funds that are done through that business. The king also has connections to his own personal family and any money that would have come in through there, the king might have access. I think he's run out of that. Um, Probably run out, but it maybe is like he also ran a mine or a farm or something and that's run dry or the land's gone bad and whatever. His other source of income, that's also dried up. So whether or not he's actually run out of money, he's definitely run out of willingness to pay more money. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's skimming as much as he can. And they're like, yeah, we're out. That's it. So loyal, he's glad to be away from the nobles. Yes. That's one person's mood. Matt, different mood. Yeah, he grumpy. Yeah, he is so sick and tired of having to pretend to be Rand's servant. But not only that, he's tired of having to be around servants. They were not, oh, hey, welcome to the crowd. No, instead they were looking at him like, dude, you look sick. What is wrong with you? To be fair, he does. He does look sick. (laughs) And he was constantly answering basically two different questions. Is your master starving you? Or what do you have? Is that contagious? (laughs) I'm just glad they're not asking, what are you on? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, meth is not in this world. He totally looks like a meth. I don't know. We don't know it's no, not. No, he... Oh, shit. <laughs> there is... The tinkers be cooking. Oh, man. <laughs> there is no... Oh, what's his um, name now? Wow, I can't pull it out of my head. Uh, no idea. Breaking Bad. Walter name... White? Yeah, but what does he go with? He comes up with this great name in that show. Have you watched the show? Uh, not all no, of it, No, you just actually. know the cultural thing. I've seen some of oh, it. Oh, I can't believe it. The one who knocks? Is that what you're no, going for? No, he comes up with a name for himself that is badass. Um, he's not Eisenhower, is he? Or Hindenburg? Hindenburg, that's it. I knew it was a name from history. Hindenburg. So I was sitting here going... He's so badass. It's a history name. I just didn't remember what it was. You know, don't mess with Hindenburg. No, Hindenburg? Heisenberg. Heisenberg. Heisenberg, which is that's... a... A chemist, I think. See, he's a chemist. It's still, that from is like someone history, who was involved but... with the nuclear bomb, Heisenberg. I mean, that's why we get. Nope, never mind. I was about to say something horribly wrong that I was going to get ripped apart for, and I realized it a moment, er- moment <laughs> Anyways, early. Uh, wow, classic. He's Heisenberg, and yeah. Where How did, did that we get come to from? Oh, math. We got there from math. 
And he looks like he's a meth head. And no, he's not. Because there's no meth in Wheel of Time. How dare you suggest that could be your head cannon. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I want hate mail just at Zachary for implying hey, hey, meth don't would actually exist say in Randland. It'll actually happen. I, I'd love to have some email. We've like had like two pieces of email weeks and weeks ago. So if we get something coming just as hate mail delivered to you, I will gladly accept it and send it your way. <laughs> My lack of ego can take it. <laughs> okay. So, wow. We're like three paragraphs into my notes. This is great. Oh, but point is, Matt's sick of this stuff. He's also sick. He also hasn't been able to sense the dagger. Why is he so sick, though? The dagger. Yeah. It's having more and more of an effect And on more it. importantly, being apart from it longer and longer yeah. is starting yeah. to drain even more so. But the fact he can't sense it, that is really troubling him. I mean, that's why they brought him. But Rand's like, no, no, it's probably fine. I mean, I couldn't, we couldn't feel like the badness of it while it was down hiding away inside the chest. So, so that's probably why he it, can't feel yeah, it. Yeah, it's probably fine. It's, it's probably fine with the chest and the horn and Fane can't open it. So Pretty sure he can't open it. That's right. We're good. Matt's response is a bit of a reveal. And most of them miss what he says is, but I'm a, what he says is <laughs> yes, misses he, he what says he it. says. I'm going to quote it. You haven't drank that much tonight. No, I haven't. As long as I don't have to pretend to be your servant anymore. As long as you don't go mad and dot, dot, dot. Let's just be real. Two of the four people here don't know Rand can channel. This is twice Matt's made some comment about Rand's madness and, and not carried it through. But dude, Hold on to your crap. It's okay. I mean, one, going mad isn't necessarily tied to the power. It's just like, if you know, you know. And two, people aren't like looking for it. They're just more concerned with how Matt is acting and how he's being grumpy than the things he's actually saying. Now, this does concern Rand, though. Oh, absolutely. That at some point, Matt's going to blab too much. Absolutely. But for now, you're right. People don't read into it. Uh, in fact, Loyal responds, oh, he's not mad. Let's just note it's a good thing he didn't say it in front of Varen, probably, because <laughs> I said I. Eh. They, they pick up on the subtle things, you know? So Huron has them here at this point where, okay, this is definitely the place they've all come to. They, there is no doubt they're inside this walled inner garden now. And Loyal, he says, you know the Waygate, Rand? It's inside these walls. I can totally feel it. And Matt's like, <sighs> why is he sighing so heavily here, Zach? What do you what do you think well, I mean, going through Matt's head? He's been in the ways before. He has. How'd he's that go? He's experienced Mashin Shin before. Mash Mashin Shin? Mashin Shin. I'm still a Machin Shin. We looked it up. I was correct. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yes, we're making shin. I look at it. It's mocking shin, man. That's just headcanon. Anyway. Do it wrong. Do it strong. It's creepy. It's terrifying. It's not something he wants to experience. No. And that's just the actual bad part of the ways. The ways itself wasn't a nice place to experience. Uh, really dark and icky and deteriorating. Yeah. Let's so, not do that again. At this point, Rand sends Matt to go get Varen and Ingtar. Hirin couldn't. You find a way, dude. Oh, and, and remember to limp. Yeah, you're injured. Don't blow it. 
Matt's like blah, blankety blank servant blankety blank injured blankety blank. But perfect. He limps, Good job, Matt. But he limps. You're acting great. <laughs> and is he's basically telling Matt, make sure they know. Okay, it looks like Fane has taken the horn through a waygate because we know Fane has used waygates before. And you know he had to deal with Mashinshin, but he came out the other side. So while Matt takes off, Rand says, Loyal, hike me up here. He wants to see over the wall. The wall is uh, maybe 10 feet tall. It's too tall to look over, but not too tall for Loyal to give him a foot up and he can reach the top. I loosely kind of like to imagine it's like 12 feet because Rand's pretty tall, but Loyal's also really tall. So it's like if Rand is standing on Loyal's shoulders, he could see over it, but just like his head. Well, when Rand is up there looking over, he doesn't waste any time. He hikes himself over onto the top and right over it, despite Loyal trying to grab his leg at the last minute to stop him. Yeah, because nope. Rand's never had a weird or bad experience from falling off on the other side of a wall. And this is where I go with more like nine, ten feet tall, because Rand just drops himself over the other side. And 12 feet tall, that, that's quite a height to drop yourself well, Maybe from. it's not as high on the other side. The book says nothing about that. Exactly. It doesn't say. We don't know. (laughs) We do not know. Anyways, here's Rand. And then the next thing you know, he's looking around, checking this place out, and then thump. Oh, Huron's behind him now. And and Huron's giving him what for in a Lord Rand sort of way, basically saying, uh, things can be dangerous. You really shouldn't go into things like this by yourself. You never know what might happen. He's right, you know. And then Loyal joins them, who's pulled himself over the wall and chucked himself over the other side. I'll give it to you. It's probably closer to the 10 feet if Loyal can reach the top by himself. That's right. And so now they're all looking at this place, and Loyal is muttering to himself about how Rand's behavior is so rash and hasty, and if he keeps this up, he's going to get me in trouble. (laughs) Loyal is funny. I feel like Loyal's going to get in trouble no matter what yeah, in his probably, brain. So. Probably, but he's getting in trouble faster hanging out with Rand. As far as he's concerned. It's so hasty. The Waygate, quickly identified now as oh, they yeah. are here all together. And Huron, he can confirm, yep, this trail, it goes right up to this thing. He's like, uh, I don't know how we'll be able to follow this, though. I've heard about the ways. If you go into these, you go mad. Well, I mean, it can be done. I mean, I did it. That's what Rand says. See, watch, I'll just do it. And he pulls off that trefoil leaf that's stone, but just pulls right away. And right away, the waygate doors start to open, just like we've seen before. However, not like he expected before, instead of the silver reflection showing, it's pitch black and starts oozing out. And Loyal shouts, Machin Shin, the Black Wind! So what's going on here, son? Well, we remember when um, they exited the ways back in Faldara. Mm-hmm. They had seen a similar black terribleness coming after them and then trying to reach out the gate there. And they sealed it up, but it was a whole mess and it was nasty. And yeah, eh, here we got apparently it they opened it up here and, and it's bam right boom. there. And all those same kind of things they heard back in Faldara are being heard here. Oh, yeah, all those creepy, like, Tasty ripping flash, the flesh and, and bones tasting. Rip and... and grind. And, oh, yeah, great. But now there's something else being whispered. Yes. Althor, Althor, Althor. 
It knows your name. You're famous. That's new. (laughs) And Rand, without thought, just instinctually, he reacts to that. And he finds the void. He embraces Sidene. And he hurls the one power at this blackness that's oozing out. Probably a good thing. Probably. And it seems to work. The blackness is slowly being pushed back towards the waygate. Now, when Rand had first jumped away from it, he had had that stone trefoil yeah. leaf, and he dropped it. Smooth, Butterfingers. And so now he's like, just all he's focused on is reacting to this black wind, to Machenstein, and he's pouring the power in, and he has so much of the one power channeling through him. He's feeling like vibrating with it. He is so full of it. And in fact, he's so full of it. And in fact, he feels like he's almost got more flowing through him than he can handle. Which is a little bit crazy to me that he can tell that he's got more flowing through him than he can handle. Because he's, he's not like experienced enough to know how much that really is. I, but he I can get... just kind of innately feel. I like to think it gets to the point of like when you're lifting weight, you can tell when the weight starts to get too heavy for your muscles to be able to take. My interpretation is that it gets to a point where it feels so good and painful at the same time. So you know, this is great, but this is bad for me. That's kind of how I interpret it. But he's he can't stop. He's the only thing holding the black wind back. Or it's going to come out, it's going to kill them all. That's what he knows. He's and, pretty confident. And as he pours the power into it and slowly forcing it back, he notices the waygate actually starting to slowly close. Well, that's nice. And he's like, is it is that really happening or am I just wishful thinking? But no, no, it is closing more and more. And then he notices Loyal on his hands and knees backing away from the waygate. So what had actually happened there that Rand hadn't seen? Uh, Loyal's the real hero who went down and picked up the thing that Rand dropped. (laughs) He Um, found the trefoil leaf. In the middle of the black wind, he finds the trefoil leaf and puts it back on. Which closes the door. And when it finally comes to a close, Rand releases the void, collapses. He's And he's got this feel. If that had lasted any longer, I don't think I could have taken it. So was he really that close to just being Kaplui? Eh. He doesn't really know yet. He's still really new with this, I think. He has no clue. But and he yet, knows maybe he was he right on the edge he to burning out. closer than he should have been. Mm. And yet even with that close call, he feels like ugh, he's missing it already. But he also does feel this icky feeling. He does. He's tainted. But um, yeah, it's a thing. The taint. Anyways, but when you're full of the power, you feel so alive. Everything seems brighter, fresher, more vibrant, and yet you feel dirty. Especially with this male half. Yeah. Uh, so they avoid dying, which Yay! is good. Yay! That's a good thing. That's they. Right do a similar thing to what they did the first time, but going back over the wall, Huron first, and then... And very pointedly, I'm going first, Lord Rand. That way, if, you know, there's crossbows, I die, or something like that. It just makes so much sense. Duh. I mean, it's his job. I guess. Apparently. It's like a food Even taster. though Rand's not what actually... a great job a... in the Middle Ages. A food taster. Unless your person actually is, like, attempted to be poisoned. Well, I'm saying, you get all the best food in the world until... The poison. You also don't necessarily get all of it. You just get, like, tastes of all of it. But they do keep you healthy. 
they need Enough. you alive to continue to taste the food. So hmm. <laughs> that's true. There's probably no fat food tasters. I don't know. You can I, get really I, fat on rice. Well, I just have no idea. I wasn't alive there, and I don't know the historical accuracy enough to <laughs> and know. You won't wander into it. I enough. literally right, just don't right. know. So factual, my son. I like to. You're the history buff. Why don't you know? And I never came across that one. No, you yeah. liked your a little bit more modern, like early 1900s ish. I did. Like I read that 1,200 page book, The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, for example. Deep history into World War II. It used onion paper which is a really fine paper. Is that the kind that you often find in like in Bibles? Bibles? Yeah, yeah. Or dictionaries? Yes, because it was so fine. That's how you could have so many pages and, and it was still heavy as heck. Yeah, I read things like that. It's kind of crazy. Now I spend all my time reading fantasy fiction. Oh, much more entertaining. Yeah, some people would think that's crazy, but eh. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> all right, so uh, they're all over the wall. Rand concludes that, okay, you're right. We're going to have trouble following Fane now. He went through the ways, and there's, like, Mach and Shin in the way. So what do we do? Varen will know what to do. We need to get back to Varen and Ingtar. Varen will have an answer. That's what he says. And, okay, so they all follow him. Let's let's go figure out what to do. And as they head back towards mm-hmm. the building, they come, come upon Matt. Yep. And then they come upon Ingtar and Varen, but not right away. Matt had gone to find them, but he couldn't get them right away. Do they find Matt first? Yeah, he comes back out to meet them right at the point where they're heading into the building. He had been unsuccessful in being able to pull them away. So now together, they go back upstairs, because this Mm -hmm. is down the lower level. And Okay. Matt's efforts had had some success because now they find Varian and Ingtar together. I want the floor plan to this manor. Oh, lots of rooms, all scattered. Yeah, I want the floor plan to Barthanus's manor. I want to design it as a dungeon to run for my ah, players. I yeah. want to. I want to run this party with an actual waygate in it, but then just like mess with the mechanics. <laughs> nice. So since Ingtar and Varian are together now, yes, nobody else is by them. That's how it works, if you remember. Yeah, you don't hang out with people of your own party, or people won't come over and hang well, out. Well, if you're talking to someone, the rest of the nobles respect that. That's not entirely true. Yeah, sort of. When the women were talking to Rand, each one would just come up. Oh, but that was a special case. They were both being slutty. All three of them, and they knew exactly what hey, each other were doing. we don't slut shame here. We empower them. No, these were slutty. So? <laughs> Anyways, Ingtar and Varen are being left alone. So they come up to the room. They make eye contact to where Ingtar and Varen are. And everybody heads for the exit. Okay, so now they're all walking out towards the exit together as a group. Mm-hmm. And as they reach the exit, ta-da, Lord Barthanus shows up. And he's like, what? You're leaving already? It's so early. Surely you'd like to stay longer. And they're like, ah, alas, we cannot. We must go. We gotta go. And then they start walking out. I mean, he's like, well, please, come again. But then he grabs onto Rand's coat, holds him back a moment. And the others notice it. Matt even, like, hesitates, like, to stay with him. But nope, Rand's like, go, you're fine. He's not going to kill me in front of all these people. Yeah. Probably. And, and with this moment, just the two of them, Barthana shares a private word. And we get something huge. 
It's pretty big. It is. Barthanus comments on his amazement that Rand is so deep into the great game. And it's proven by this message that Barthanus was given to give to Rand, and he's now decided he will give it. Yes. Rand asks a message. From who? Lady Celine? He's got this Lady Celine fixation. He's got to get off of that. <laughs> you know, maybe eventually. Mm. No, not Celine. Barthanus says, no, it's it's a person, and he doesn't know the person's name, but who he describes is we know clearly who it is. Pat and Fane. And he's got nothing but disdain for this person. But he says, he has certain claims on me that I cannot ignore. What would those claims be, Zach? What do you think's going on there? Well, either he has very solid evidence that Barthanus is sleeping around, or... Or has embezzled from the CRS. The Kyrianan Revenue Service. You got it. Thank you. You got with me. Galdrian is out of money, after all. But more likely, (laughs) um, this is our confirmation that Barthanus is actually a dark friend. Not just we think he's a dark friend, but now... I mean, we were pretty sure with the whole Waygate thing. Yeah. But now Trollocs we're like being told in our face. Yeah. Fane's got that over him. There's some sort of, I don't know, dark friend password or something. He has to listen to him. He has some control over him. And here you go. So here's the message okay. he's been given. He says he will wait for you on Toman Head. Well, that's convenient. He has what you seek. And if you want it, you must follow. If you refuse to follow him, he says he will hound your blood and your people, and those you love until you will face him. And then Barthanus comments, I'm believing this man is quite mad. But he's curious as to what he carries with him, because he's got Trollocs to guard it. Holy cow, what? He just pours all this out. So I have a quick question that you might have to cut. Yeah, you could try it. Do you think that there's an actual, like, is it meant to just be, like, a threat to a singular thing? Or is it three separate threats there? Hound your blood, your people, and those that you love. Nah, I think it's one big threat. I think it's one big threat as well, but I like the idea that maybe it's three. Nah, it's one. And hint, hint, this is foreshadowing. Yeah. This fits that category for our spoiler light. This will come back, and you'll go, oh. Oh, that's okay. what it was talking about. But that's all we'll say right now. Let's just be real here. This is a really long fantasy series. And if you're a first time reader, anytime you've got multiple characters and one of them says, you'll rue the day. I mean, that's going to develop into something. Yeah, it might not actually be them ruining the day. There's going to be a day that develops into rue. And it may, it may not actually be rude, but it might be. Did you say rude? Yeah. No, rue. No, no. Rue. de. <laughs> Like the past tense of rue. <laughs> the past tense of rue would be rude. You rude the day. I was sorry. I'm thinking about the rue you cook when you really work with the Nolens recipe. You make a good rue. Anyways, point being, there will be further conflict at the very least. Yes. <laughs> All right. Rand doesn't tell Barthanus that he's no. guarding the Horn of Valir or the dagger, whichever one. Yeah, Barthanus is there. clearly fishing for more information, and Rand has it, but nope, you get nothing on me. He just says, farewell. <laughs> he doesn't say it quite nice like that, but he does basically bow out and hits the road. Hit and the he's road, feeling kind of overwhelmed. Don't you come back no more. Did you sing hit the road, Rand? Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Because there's no Jack. In, and there is a Jack in this show. Show? Book series. Yeah. Jack of the Shadows. 
Yeah. That could have meaning too. We hit the road with the Jack of the Shadows. We haven't got to that yet though. No. No. So you so guys have no idea what we just said. Ignore what we just said. You have no idea. Okay. Or you do and hi. Ha <laughs> ha. All right. So as Rand is going out to rejoin the rest of the group, he's feeling kind of shaken because he's seeing this message from multiple avenues. One, he's like, oh, crap. Toman head again. That's what was written in blood in, you know, back in uh, Faldara. And he really wants me to follow him to Toman head. I mean, at this point, does he really have much choice? But he's also <laughs> sensing, OK, he just threatened my dad. And basically everybody in Emmons Field, if I don't follow him, that's what he's saying he's going to do. He's going to go hunt down anyone who's important to me, anyone who's part of my family. He's going to make them pay because I didn't come. Yeah, but Tam's the only one we really care about at this point, right? Because, I mean, Bella's not in the two rivers. Oh, come on. We know Bran Elvere. He's we a know good him. guy. Marin Elvere. I'm not worried. They'll be fine. Come on. Abel Cawthon. they definitely be fine. Uh, send Bowie. He in that <laughs> that old Thatcher. He he can get you by some Trollocs. Anyways, at this point, he has this sickening image. The book says of Trollocs descending in hordes on Emmons Field. Well, rejoining the group outside, Rand shares the understanding that Fane has taken the horn to Toman Head. He's gone through the Waygate. He's probably waiting there for him. Varen declares, psh, psh, zip it. It's we'll almost like about someone this later. actually realizes don't say all your secrets in public. Yeah, let's go back to the inn and we can talk. Now, once back at the inn, Varen wants more details. Yeah, tell me everything. Yeah, Rand shares the entire experience from the garden, including how Mock and Shin appeared to be standing guard at the Waygate. And Varen's like, that's... That's bull. That's silly talk. No one can control the Black Wind. Not even ten Aes Sedai working together could do that. So it must be coincidence. Now, Rand knows it's not coincidence. Why? Because it was saying his name. Yes, but he does not bring that up. I mean, he tells the whole story, except for the part that it yeah, actually says his name. he doesn't mention that. The part that's proof name, for or why the, he or thinks what he thinks. Or the part that he's thinks. pretty sure he channeled it back. Nope, we're not going to mention that either. Ingtar, now he's despondent. The horn is lost. Oh, we can't follow through the ways. He could have taken it. Fane could have taken it to the Blight, to Tear, to Tanchico. We have no way of knowing. Okay. He might be tanning on the beaches now, and Ingtar... we've got nothing. Shush. <laughs> You're fine. We know where He's it is. He's freaking out, though. Yeah, we know where it is. Rand does. Rand already told. Wow. Rand already... I had more of a W in it than an R. You said Wand? A little bit. I didn't hear Wand. I You'll hear Rand. it in the playback a little bit. Going back many years ago, Zach had an issue with R's. And they used to come out as W's. But he's outgrown it. No, I haven't. Except apparently when he's had some bourbon and Southern Comfort. It's brandy. Brandy and Southern Comfort. And no, it, it just it happens sometimes. Mm, um, I didn't notice. Does, does Rachel think it's cute? I mean, most people who tease me about it say that they do, but I don't believe them for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I didn't even hear it there, though. Maybe it's more in your head now than you just know it kind of lent towards Sometimes there. Sometimes it, it definitely is much. I mean, that was a weak one, I'll admit. Anyways, they know it's going to Toman Head, and Rand did disclose that. Yes, and he's doubling down now. It, it's just, no, 
Toman head. Fane said it very clearly through that message to Barthanis. But Ingtar is like, it's a trick. There's no way. If he went to Toman head, why would he tell you he went to Toman head? That's stupid. Yes. But Rand is like, no. He wants me there. It's to lure me. He's not trying to lie. Okay, but I do kind of agree. That is stupid. It does seem um, like it. Ingtar's reasoning is not insane. Fane is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fane is, to the best of our knowledge. So yep. doing something that is presumably stupid, that <laughs> doesn't fit with the shadows. Yep. like exactly. Despite all this, Party Rand line, is like, I well, I don't care what you think, Ingtar. I'm heading to Toman Head. So I'm leaving at first light. And Loyal's like, dude, it's going to take months to get there. We're talking about clear across the continent. Yeah, it's pretty big. But I am with you, my man. He's looking at the map. Yeah, it's like... I mean, like, you could go worse. Now, I say clear across the continent, and that's not true. It's clear across Ranland. Yeah, I mean, we go much further stretches across the Isle Waste and into Shara. Which we don't know how long Shara stretches. No, we that's haven't on seen no a map, map anywhere. We don't know for sure how far north or east that this map really goes. We kind of just see a southwestern corner, and it may not even be the southwestern corner. This could be like um, we have no idea. But nevertheless, it's clear across the known reaches of Ranland in our map, and it's going to take a long time to get there. Even if you ride your horse to death and grab another one instantly. Mm -hmm. But doesn't matter. Rand's like, I don't care. I will do whatever I have to to get there as fast as necessary. And Loyal's like, you know, I'm with you. And he has great words here. I quoted them. You see, I like you. I would like you even if you weren't Taviran. Maybe I like you despite it. You do seem to get me neck deep in hot water. Which is pretty high for him. (laughs) In any case, I am going with you, and I don't think you can really stop me. (laughs) Which is true. Try to stop an Ogier? Eh, not gonna work. I don't know, Rand probably could. Uh, (laughs) He wouldn't, though. No. Matt and Perrin, they jump right into, and yep, we're with ya. Ingtar, he's still pretty cynical. It's clearly all a trick, but Varen tries to convince Ingtar him. No, needs some therapy. No, Varen's like, I don't think it is a trick. And now we get a reveal. She was the one that saw what was written. Yeah, and the so pro- dark she saw that the dark prophecy that Baldara. she kind of revealed a little bit more. She knew not only was it mentioned to go to Toman Head, but there's more to it that the dark mm-hmm. believes there is more there. And- mm-hmm. So what she has learned convinces her that, yes, we need to go to Toman Head. While she doesn't explicitly state it here, she knows the whole kind of bit with Toman Head being connected to the dragon in some way. And, well, she believes that she's... Yes. But she believes that she's, like, in the same room as him, so... Yeah. Ingtar, he's still not convinced. And they can never get to Toman Head in time anyways. Fane will have had plenty of time using the ways to get there and use the horn and call the heroes and use them for the shadow. And he's like doom and gloom. And Varen's like, they could have done that. Dude, at any point. Yeah, they've had it for weeks. If he could actually open the chest, he would have already used the horn. He can't open the chest. But then Ingtar's still, no, 
it's still too long. And now Varen's like, well, okay, you kind of have a point, though. What if he finds someone smarter than him? Yeah, if he's in Toman Head for that long ahead of us, he might find someone who can open it. So we do need to get there faster than otherwise. So we can't use that way gate in the Barthanis manner. So how about another way gate? I mean, there's one not that far in uh in a steading. Steading Sofu. At which point Sofu or Sofu? Sofu. Sofu. It's like rats. Sofu. I was gonna say more like Tsar, but same thing. Tsar. Yeah, but it's at the beginning of the sentence or beginning of the word instead of the end of the word. It's the end of the word rats. Sofu. Same thing. I just have. I don't. Think I learned I've, this when I learned German. No, I agree. You learned with, German. Yeah, I didn't learn it that way. I've so never heard a description of a beginning word like that to an end. It works. Totally. But I just I've never heard it described that way. Well, now like, you have. Huh. Sofu. Anyways, Loyal's response is crap. Let's not go there, please. <laughs> no, please. he doesn't please. say anything. But mm. Rand reads body language. He's like. Okay, Loyal is mm, not happy about going to this way gate at Steading Sofu. And either it's about the Steading or it's about going through the ways, but I can't tell which bothers him. Either way, Loyal's going, I don't want to go. <laughs> I mean, and, I'll go, but I don't want to go. Which one can we be pretty sure it's actually about? I mean, both, but the Steading. Yeah, he didn't enjoy his time in the ways. No, but, I mean, he was very hesitant and resistant. But he didn't have this reaction in Barthanus's manner, so it's clearly something due to the Steading, and I think we'll learn more about that soon. Probably. But this Waygate is not very far from Kyrian because they'd recovered this Steading, the Ogier, and found mm-hmm. this Steading relatively recently. It's still hundreds of years ago, but relatively recently. In Ogier time. Yeah. And they grew a waygate to it. And so it's there, just outside the steading. Let's go there. We should be able to use it. So they will leave for that steading at first light. Yes. That's what Varen decrees. And as they all disperse to get what rest they can the last few hours before they have to prepare and head off, Rand has a private word with Varen. Specifically wants to ask about Matt, this sickly, wasting friend of his. Well, Varen is saying, let's be real here. The healing that was done to him, clearly not as good as people hoped it would have been. I mean, he she has checked on him many times yeah. over the last um, week or two while they were traveling to catch up with Rand. Matt is apparently at his full strength. He's yeah, fully he feels great. healthy and hale, kind of. Looks horrible. And you can clearly tell his various vitality is draining away from him. He's got maybe a few weeks. That's what she diagnoses. A few weeks left. And then she says, and what of you, Randall Thor? Do you feel well? Do you fight it still? Or have you yet surrendered to the wheel? Rand replies, I ride with you to find the horn. Beyond that, there is nothing between me and any Aes Sedai. Do you understand me? Nothing, which is exactly what he's been saying to Tom Marilyn multiple times. Methinks he doth protest a bit too much. Yeah, really? A wee bit. Why do you think that, Zach? Uh, It just seems like he's like giving a really, really firm denial. And at this point, I'm like, Robert Jordan, you're foreshadowing that he's not done. But what about Varen's question? Where she says, oh. have you yet surrendered to the wheel? What is she talking about? Okay, so there's there's two pieces to this that I, I just right. kind of look at this and go, I feel like she's asking multiple different questions. I know she's asking different questions, but it's like said in a vein where it could be all the same. 
But this whole feel well question and then the have you mm. surrendered to the wheel question, two separate questions. One's like, hey, you channeling, you going mad? What's up with that? The other's like, hey, you admit you're the dragon yet? Yep. She knows and he... Hmm. Rant's still not um You're not going to use me as a false dragon. A thing. Yeah. Anyways. So that's the end of that chapter. But now we get to move into a second one. We promise. We mo- might not go quite as long as this one. No, I'm not promising. I said might. But we're probably not. Because this is one of those great chapters where we're really just kind of... Robert Jordan's throwing us a few pieces of extra information of what's happening else in the world. I actually really enjoy these. Um, oh, yeah. And this is great. It's a break. And sometimes when I'm reading straight, I can't go straight into this chapter be- or these types of chapters because I feel like I'm breaking out of the straight narrative that I was it's in. It's true, though. But yeah. when I actually just sit down and read them, they're some of my most enjoyed chapters. You get so much information from these chapters. These are similar to what he does through his prologues as you move through the series. Yeah, not so much he'll so far. He'll have a prologue and he'll dump a lot of information. Not at all yet. Not yet, but this is where the prologues go. But throughout the series, he will still have these occasional chapters that are like mini prologue. It's just, I'm just going to give you some information I want you to have now. Anyways, lore dump alert. Let's go. We're going to focus on two different POVs in this chapter. The first one is Tom Marilyn. Yes. We're at the next morning. Early. Early in the morning. Early. Dawn is just rising. And <laughs> <laughs> Yes. That was terrible. Thank you, sound effect Zach. We I actually have that. roosters that terrible. in our neighborhood. I'm not cutting Wait. that. There's no way I'm cutting that. Oh, then I should have done it better. <laughs> we have roosters, multiple roosters in our neighborhood. I go for walks in the morning, and these days it's June. When you the say sun's already up, I don't hear it. But go a little yeah, like earlier or later in our neighborhood. Literally, you just don't blocks mean away enough that we can hear from the house. Do you? Uh, no. Well, no, that's not true. Because I'm not sure I've heard them. Ever. You can hear them from the house sometimes. I've seen them. I don't think I've heard them. But they are not far away. (laughs) Not like next door. But yeah, there's multiple residences within walking distance that have roosters. And it's really funny because if you stand in one place, you can sometimes hear that one of them is a little early. (laughs) I don't know anything about that. Premature in his... uh... Slightly demented rooster? What? (laughs) He just gets really excited. (laughs) Oh, the sun's almost up. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't feel first. so bad about mine now that was worse <laughs> <laughs> anyways chapter 34 is called the wheel weaves so let's see where the wheel weaves here okay tom walking home he's been at barthanus's manor like all night all night all morning finally got away he was stuck there far longer than he expected and honestly far longer than most people were mm-hmm just a, a small core of nobles seemed particularly entertained with keeping Tom there. They just kept asking for one more specific tale well, or and, one and more Tom thing. Tom acknowledges and... in his own head he made a mistake. Yeah. Because he'd been doing, as Rand saw, the great hunt for the horn and all the tales from there. Yeah. But then he strayed off into other more common entertainment songs. And a clump of nobles really seemed to enjoy that. But enjoyed it for the wrong reason. Yeah. They were laughing at the wrong parts. And Tom kind of got the point eventually. They were laughing more at him than with him. Which is weird because Tom's a really good performer. Yeah, but it's a Kyrianan thing. 
and yet he couldn't stop because they kept piling coins into his bag. He made a ton of money last night. Which, I mean, that's good. But he feels dirty about taking all the coins, so he's really irritated with himself as he's walking back to his place. He made a mockery of his craft, or rather they did. <sighs> yes. But he made money. Good phrase. Now, at the same time, beyond just appreciating the craft... Yeah. They also asked many questions about Rand. That's us. Yeah, they seem to have noticed that Rand had a extra private conversation with Tom. And so they seem to think he knows more than he should. And again, Tom's an old veteran of the great game. So he, he gave answers, he hoped, kind of diffuses that, but he's like, I'm not sure I yeah, did a good enough job. He's kind of sitting here going, Rand might be in for some trouble, and I should probably go check in with him. Yeah, so before he heads back to his inn, he actually did some research, and didn't have to work real hard, to find where is Rand staying. Found in the name of Rand's inn, the great tree, works his way there, and discovers they're gone. Because apparently, First being light. up just... After dawn a little bit, looking for things, is too late when your group you're looking for left at first light. Yeah. So he's like, well, I guess I am done with all that. And he's heading back to his own inn. The bunch of grapes. And when he gets there, he walks in through the common room, walks up the stairs, walks to his room, and he opens the door quietly. Because he assumes Dina is asleep. And indeed, he sees she's laying on the bed, back to the door, seems quite out. And oh, Yeah, so he's going to be quiet. There's and... a tender moment. Yeah. And he's thinking, you know, he's just filled with love for her at that moment. And he's like, tonight's the night. I am going to let her know now she can perform tonight. This is the special day. And then we get one of the worst early gut punches oh, of the series. Oh, man. Stab a dagger right through the heart. No, stab it through the neck. Slice the throat. That's cold, man. I mean, it's what That's happened. Cold. That is so cold. It's though. exactly what happened. Wow. Zach has no compassion for any of our listeners right there. I care for the listeners. <laughs> no, you don't. It's obvious. I care less for Dina than the listeners. Oh, I, man. Okay, I need to put this out there because I'm going to crucified for it. Dina is a fantastic character that deserved to live more. That being said, we didn't get enough time for me to get really attached. And apparently Amazon Prime's Wheel of Time show, they've cast Dina differently so we will get a little more time with her so we get attached. That's going to be sadder. That's the point. Yes. That's all speculation, but we're pretty sure they will introduce her in the first season and she will die in the second season. We won't have just met her there. We'll have met her all the way back in Barillon or Camelin, wherever they introduce Tom, because they're changing things. But we'll have met her with Tom. They're not introducing Tom in... There's theory that they're skipping Barillon altogether. I was going to say, they're not going to introduce Tom in the Two Rivers where he gets introduced? Nope. nope. That they'll introduce Tom later. We don't know where yet. Maybe Four Kings. Like, that actually can work. Exactly. But And when we yeah. meet Tom, we'll also meet Dina, that she'll already be with him. And then we will run up with them again in Kyrian in the second season, and that's where she dies. So they were already a thing. And thus, when she dies, it's that more harsh. So now, is Tom not going to run with them? or No, there's still some of that, we believe. I'm just going to wait until I see the show and kinda go with whatever it is. It kind of messes with something we can't talk about because we're spoiler light. I'm just going to go with, the, I'll wait for the show and we'll see. We still haven't got a trailer, right? <laughs> no, we still don't have a trailer. Just teasers, teasers. Anyways, 
he goes over to her to wake her up and as he grabs her shoulder and she falls back on her back and as you kind of not so tactfully shared her throat's been her slashed. neck is slashed she's uh, there's dead blood all over the place eyes are wide open and glassy it's clearly not super fresh but fresh enough like it was last night he feels an instant need to throw up except he hears behind him a sound creak Someone was hiding in his cabinet, bureau, whatever. Wardrobe. Wardrobe. They came from Narnia. Yes. Yes. And it's Mr. He, Tumnus. on instinct, spins around. And Tom is the kind of guy that always have a couple, always has daggers up his mm-hmm. sleeve. His best knives, his second best knives, and whatever he uses so after that. So out of his left and right, whoop, he throws a couple of daggers. One of them hits a guy straight in the throat, and this guy falls down, gagging, choking, he's down. Second guy gets hit in the shoulder. Now, the reason he got hit in the shoulder, Tom is not a bad thrower. No. Both these guys should be dead. However, Tom has a bum leg, and as he spun, the bum leg betrayed him. Now, this does give us something that, to me, was very important when I read. Tom's bum leg is not an act. It could have been believable that he's been kind of playing with this and it allows him to still be like a little bit under the radar and he has a good reason for it. But no, this shows me life or death situation. The leg fails him a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. actually a little bit of a bum leg from that injury with the fade. Right. So it does throw his aim off just a little. Nevertheless, it does its damage. It's still really impressive. The shoulder that gets hit is the strong arm for the guy. So the knife he had to come at Tom with falls limply from his arm because that arm is useless Wait, now. Let's just be real here. Tom's clearly a bard as far as classes go, but he had to take some levels in Rogue because he gets sneak attack. Totally. This guy now, unable to attack, tries to flee. Tom's like, uh-uh-uh. And he, with another knife that comes flipping out of his whatever contraptions he have in his sleeve. It's somewhere. It says slices his leg from behind. He hamstrings him. He hamstrings him. The guy goes down. Tom grabs his head, bashes his head against the wall, and then takes his knife and holds it right up against the guy's eye. This is a brutal scene, especially for a series that isn't necessarily that descriptive with a lot of its violence. No, but that's kind of cold. Right there at the eye. It's like there's only one thing that can happen here. Well, there's two things. You can take the knife away, or you can easily kill a guy. That's it. You're not I mean, going to just scratch just, a guy. You could do it just a little bit and like poke it's his eye out. his eye, an easy cavity right into the brain. Let's just keep in mind here, plenty of people have eye patches. Uno has an eye patch. I'm sure at some point he took an injury to the eye yeah, but those and he didn't die. tend to be like slashes across the face or explosions that put shrapnel into your okay. eye. Probably wasn't an explosion with Uno. And two, he wasn't described as having a big slash across his face. I don't know what happened to him. I'd like to know. So if someone does out there know, I don't think we find out. I think a lot of people just are taking knives and going, poke, no, but and stopping at There the clearly eyeball. was something that doesn't <laughs> seem to have necessarily like caused a huge injury uh, to his face. Fire, burning oil. I don't know what. There's lots of things that can I'm do really it. curious if there is a an answer stray, out there. Maybe there is an answer out there. There's a freak thing that can happen. He was born doomed to have one eye because his parents called him Uno. He had a singular cataract form. (laughs) Oh, singular cataract form. Nice. 
Anyways, back to Tom. He's with this guy. He's got him clearly cornered. And he says to him, I'm sorry, I just had a bad and funny thought. All right, go ahead and share because we're that kind of podcast. Bruno doesn't actually have like the inability to see through that eye. He's just really, really embarrassed because he has like one lazy eye. And so his parents called him Uno because it was really bad. And it's all a fake. Yeah, that's, that's a dumb idea. I don't think it's true. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of it, but I just. The idea that it's just he's self. He's embarrassed. He's self conscious about it. Like. It's humanizing for me that he's just like this big teddy bear of a guy. <laughs> Moving on. Tom wants answers out of this guy where he's holding a dagger against his eyeball. Um, he's not doing it just for fun? You know, and no. At this point, the guy's like, okay. Yeah, he'll talk. I'll talk. Whatever you want, man. And honestly, there's not a real issue here. Tom's going to kill him. Yeah. And the guy really knows Tom's going to kill him, but he's yeah. going to try to talk his way into at least a few more minutes. And Tom is told the man didn't mean to kill Dina. No. They were uh, here for Tom. Yeah. They were they were looking for answers about that Andorran Lord. This was all part of Days Demar, the yep. great game. They'd this been, is Rand's he fault. Says, they'd been sent by Barthanas because Rand had been seen talking to Tom. And so he must know something. And then the man reaches for another knife out of his, I don't know, something in his boot or something. And Tom sees it and shoves the dagger right through his eyeball. And it's all over. Tom is upset then and frustrated. Dina's dead and it's all because of Rand. And because of people thinking Tom is playing the great game again. It's so stupid because he wasn't. No. Dina had nothing to do with this. And he's just frustrated. It's going to get stupider. (laughs) <laughs> that it will. The innkeeper, Zira, she steps into the room at this point and she sees the mess and comments about, oh, yeah, I heard about a couple of Barthanus's men have been snooping around. I never thought it would come to something like this. And then she sees Dina's body. She's like, oh, Tom, I'm, I'm so sorry. <sighs> You're going to need to leave. You're obviously going to need to leave now. And Tom, with, with his great coldness, just kind of notes, that there's a man he needs to kill first. But apparently, Zero has some information. She says if he means that he needs to kill Barthanus. Too late! He's already dead. Yeah, he was discovered this morning in pieces in his bedchamber. That's intense. And even worse, she's like, and I know you were performing at his manor last night and didn't come back till dawn. So, okay, you've been attacked here, and now he's dead. People are going to put two and two together and assume you did this to Barthanus. You really got to leave. Yeah, you got to go. Tom, he doesn't deny that. That that makes sense. And he asks Zero, you take care of these bodies. And he's implying Dina as well. And she'll do it, but she takes a closer look and... Wait a second. These aren't Barthanus's men. No. Apparently in their last moments and before... <laughs> They're Why being... in these last moments? This curious. Oh, no. It makes me curious. They're being extra. They're being even more stupid. Added into this. I want to hear this. He's still saying, like he told Tom, Barthanas sent them all that jazz. No, he didn't. They're not Barthanas's men. <laughs> just, he's I'm just picturing. He's dead now with a sign. Galdrian sent me. Yeah, <laughs> like what? No. <laughs> what I'm saying is, his last moments. He's still <laughs> playing the game. Yes, he is. 
He must have been paid so really well. Stupid. Maybe his family gets the money. Or his family dies if he doesn't. Ah, that's another good point. But yes, the at least one of them. Now, mind you, the one she's sure is not Barthanus's man is the one that Tom killed with the dagger to the throat right off the bat. So the one he talked to might have been Barthanus's man. Probably not. But she knows for sure the other one Worst kept secret in Kyrian. That's Galdrian's man. Tom so, uh, never talked to him. Yeah. So Tom is left with the information that, okay, at least one, maybe both, Galdrian's men came here, playing the game, killed Dina because she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. <sighs> He's not real happy about that. No, and he does need to leave. But Zira can see in his eyes... He's not just thinking of leaving now. What is he thinking? Well, I mean, he says um, that he's he's just an old glee man. Who could he possibly be dangerous to? Now, he says that in reply to Zira, who says, you need to leave. Dina would not want you to throw your life away. He so what is she his... thinking he's thinking? Oh, nothing. Just, you know, a little um, killing of kings, assassination. Perhaps just, just away he's... He might have said he needs to kill a man before he can leave. Now, he said that about Barthanus. Technically. Barthanus is dead. But if Tom's still looking for A, he's really, really mad. B, he's prepared to kill somebody. C, he's pretty sure Galdrian's actually the one responsible. Throw into the mix that in the middle of this conversation, they've seen smoke out the window. And Zira notes it and says, ooh, somebody has set the granaries on fire. Or the, granaries. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I think it might be able to go either way. I think it's, I think it's granaries, granaries, but, but it's granaries places where better. grain is stored. It's not an English word. It might be a UK word. Let's be real here. The circuses, probably not going to last forever considering the money's drying out. The bread, mm, bread and definitely circuses. going to run out because it's on fire. Yeah. So everything's about to fall apart. Riots are soon to happen. Um, Tom's like, you know, Zero, you might want to ditch town. She's like, I've survived riots before. Kyrian's just been having a really rough time these past 20, 30 years. Things are about to go to crap really fast again, though, too. And I think Tom might add to that. But that's where this ends, and we jump to a new POV. I like to think that Kyrian is our little piece of of If the World of a Song of Ice and Fire existed in (laughs) Brandland. I like that. It's not that far off. Exactly. But now we're going to shift to Pet and Fane. We love our little Pet and Fane bits. I do, actually. He is. Guess where he is? Well, he got to Tome and Head. Yeah. And he's been there for a couple of days. And now he is on a horse. I would like to note, we don't know that this is necessarily like the following morning, just like with Tom. It's just, no, we skipped to some number of days he's been in Tome and Head. But it could be the same exact time. It could many not be. Days. It just it doesn't specify exactly what time this From is. From what we know about the ways, we can deduce this is maybe three or four days. I'm just That's saying it. he may have gone into the ways three or four days ago, and this is the same exact time, or he, I mean, not three or four days, but like, two days we do learn from the chapter that he's only been here on toman head for a day and a half yes so and we, we know when you travel pieces. a distance through the ways it it's going to take a little, a little while time so i'm going three to four days max basically what i'm saying loosely here is by the time rand and company were going to the party they weren't anywhere near there anymore i yep 
won't disagree with that at all. So here's Fane. He's on a horse. He has another horse with him. On Two the, horses. On the other horse is the chest. There's no one else with him. And he's looking down at the city of Falme. And he's thinking on the research he's done over the last couple of days. He came out of the ways. And the dark friends with him were quite unsettled about their travel through the ways. Yeah, I mean, they should be. And then arriving outside the ways... He wants to take one of their horses to go to Falme and leave the rest of them with the Trollocs. That unsettles them as well. Let's just be real here. Fane's leaving them as Trolloc food. Oh no, it's better than that. He has a whole bunch of dark friends unsettled, and he deals with it by specifically feeding some of them to the Trollocs. Yeah. That's how he solves them being unsettled. He, in his thoughts here, is like, I dealt with the problem by feeding a few of them to the Trollocs, and then the others felt much better. In that they weren't complaining anymore. <laughs> because if you complain, I'll, I'll feed you to Trollocs. He does not specify. I figure it's probably the ones who were complaining. Yes, oh, I'm sure, at least some of them, but it gave the impression they were all complaining. But what I... In a group, there's always what one I'm or two that's the loudest. about is the one who is specified is the one who complained that her horse was being requisitioned by Fane to be the pack horse for the chest. Well, and he doesn't say whether she ended up in a Trolloc pot or not. Well, let's just be real here. If Fane's leaving, I've said that too many times. Let's be real here. I've said that too many times tonight. Fane leaving? No, the, the, the phrase, let's just be real here. <laughs> I, I it's just catch it. multiple times it's come up. and I, What it's I weird. say too many times is my laugh. <laughs> That same laugh, I edit this stuff. It shows up again and again and again. And I need to start thinking Almost of like different it's forms not of laughter. It's just my pattern. It is genuine. It's just... But I'm like, I need to start going... <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> there, I just hid my real laughter now. Um, now I'm conscious. But no, these dark friends who have horses are going to be sitting here going... Fane leaves, our best chance at survival is to get out of here as fast as possible. She loses her horse. She can't. But wait a second. The person who complains the most is the one who's someone losing with her initiative. Horse. Someone who speaks for themselves. You don't want that person dead. You want the peons dead. And you want that one cowed. Because that one has a little more... No, I'm just saying down. she's speaking up because she's losing her yes. horse, her way to run and away. And I'm saying she's not in the trolley cookpot. It's peons in the cookpot so that she shuts up. Maybe. That's what I think. Maybe. That's a lot of talk about who's getting eaten by Trollocs. In, uh, in regardless of, it, of which way it goes, them. the Trollocs are happy. No, Trollocs are never happy. They're well there's they're not hungry. Well, let's put it this way. Trollocs can be happy. Trollocs are never satisfied. Now this is gonna get worse for the Trollocs, but we'll get to that a little later in let's the go. chapter. So Fane, he's thinking about that. But he's also thinking about what he's looking at. Yes, he's uh, been seeing, as we know, that the Shanchan are starting to occupy the area. Yeah. And he's researched a little bit into In them and their ways. <laughs> Indeed. And the things he's learned, what, this stuff's crazy. But it's pretty good information as far as he knows. And there's a great quote. Again, I wrote this down. In his research, here's what's written. It was never hard to find someone along, and uh, I should try typing better when I write these. 
that's alone, right? It was never hard to find someone alone, and they always answered questions properly put. Huh, what does that mean? Well, ask the questioners. Yes. Men gathered more information on the invaders, as if they actually believed they would eventually do something with what they knew. But they sometimes tried to hold back. Women, by and large, seemed interested in going on with their lives, whoever the rulers were. Yet they noted details men did not, and they talked more quickly once they stopped screaming. What a line. Mm -hmm. Children talked the quickest of all, but they seldom said much that was worthwhile. (laughs) I'm like, holy crap, that's cold. I mean, I'd just like to point out here... He's got enough reference points for all three groups that mm-hmm. he's tortured and killed multiple of all three groups. Yes, he is so insane, so calculating, so I don't care what about anyone. I will get what I need. He was effective. Clearly, because now he's feeling ready to go down to Falme. He has the information he thinks to act upon what he needs. So that I don't concern people, I feel the need to mention, I do not in any way condone or like anything that Fane has done here. Thank you, meth head, Zachary. I'm just (laughs) mentioning it. I also have never done meth. Add that to my list of cocaine and meth. Never done either. Heisen, Zach. Okay, Fane hadn't believed three quarters of what he learned about the Shanchen, but as he's moving more toward the city, he's like, hmm... My torture appeared to be more accurate than I thought. Yeah, maybe some of those tales, like those monstrous creatures. Yeah, these uh, grom. He's seeing them. What? Lizard, those... frog things with three eyes? Holy cow. And Holy lizard. Then we'll see these women who channel. Demone? Leashed ones? They're real. Wow. Huh. So maybe we should um consider more of the things uh, set under duress as being real. With that knowledge gained, Fane is good at faking it. He moves into the town. He goes right up to the home of the Great Lord, which we have visited once before. He announces to the guards that he has something with him, gesturing to the chest on the other horse, that the High Lord will want to see personally, along with myself, of course. He smoothly knows the words to say, I obey, await, and serve. Torture, again, gets you great information. And the response is pretty good. I mean, I feel like people are still looking at him sus, almost of being like, too good at this. You're like one of these people out here. How do you know these things? But still, he's got the magic code. And he's got something to give as a gift. The soldiers grab the chest. They carry it in. They say, follow us. He does. And before long, he is before the High Lord Turok. Turok questions him as to how he could have such a valuable chest. And Fane, he goes into a tale about, I was in disguise so that I could get this to you safely. There are those who would have stopped me and yada, yada, yada. Fane is trying to feed him bull. And Turok, he steps up to the chest and click, click, clack, and he opens it. Click, Fane's clack, like, move? Yeah. Fane's like, oh... I did not expect that. (laughs) That weakens my position a little that he was able to open it. But he adjusts the conversation. He's ready for where Turok takes us. Because Turok pulls out the horn and a dagger. Huh. And Fane talks of these are our great treasures of the Age of Legends. And Turok carries them off to another room. 
and kind of makes a, a nod or a sign. And there's an aide in the room, Huan, Turok's personal aide, and he gestures, okay, follow. So they both follow the Lord Turok. And in this other room, mm-hmm. Turok has the horn. He has the dagger. He makes another little gesture, and a servant to one of these people in the diaphanous robes just wanders up real quick, sets the, stuff the little where you table. you see the nudity underneath. Oh, yeah. Sets the little table there and scurries out of the way. And he sets down the horn. He sets down the dagger. He goes to grab a seat. And Fane, he cannot help himself anymore. The dagger is his. It's right there. It's right there. And he goes to grab it. And Bad Huan, move. this aide, grabs his wrist in an iron grip and basically twists, pins, whatever. He's got Fane immobilized. Mm-hmm. He's this like, guy's been taking his martial arts classes. Huan's like, no one touches the High Lord's property without losing a hand. But Fane, he's not deterred. He's like, it's mine! No, it's not. <sighs> Turok's like, hmm, interesting. You would claim something that's yours inside a chest you didn't know how to open. But tell me more. Me gift. <laughs> so tell me more. Fane is ready to tell him a lot more. Oh bull man, he again. spins this yarn, this amazing tale, as he talks of his family, who once upon a time served the High King Arthur Hawkwing, and then Hawkwing, of course, was betrayed by Aes Sedai, killed by Aes Sedai. And ever since that time, his family has protected the Horn of Valir. Now, the first ancestor knew how to open the chest, but that knowledge died with him. Mm -hmm. The family has continued to shield the chest until the time when Hawkwing's armies would return from across the Aerith Ocean. Arthur's son, Luther, having gone over there, that the ancestors would return. We continue to wait, obey, and serve. And here we are, and you are here, and this is the chest, and you can blow the horn and conquer this land and defeat those traitorous witches, the Aes Sedai, grind them into dust, and we will be here to serve you as we did your ancestor. Honestly, Fane's story, it uh, is kind of impressive. It's very impressive. to Turok, not just because it's long and full of information, but it has a lot of truthful elements it has to the history, at least. He's not found anybody else to know all these people who forgot yeah he knows historical points that everyone seems to have completely been blind to but that doesn't mean Turok is completely taken in he's not gonna sound the horn of valir he's gonna send it back to shan chan with everything else gonna get delivered to the empress and now before we move to that how the heck does fane know such historical details i'm not that was what I was going to talk about in the spoiler room. Oh. Because I don't think I should say it here. I think we have enough hints already, but we won't <laughs> say right now. We'll we'll leave it for you to talk about later. Like, if we spoil everything, what am I supposed <laughs> to talk about in the spoiler room? I think astute first-time readers already have an idea, but we will save it for the spoiler zone. Especially because I'll go a little more in-depth. Ah, very good. Just a little. Now... Turok, as you said, says, I'm going to take this back to the Empress. I am not going to blow the horn. But, but, you must. And as soon as he says that, Huon, well, Fane figures out after a few moments that Huon punches him in the head and he ends up on the ground. Yeah. Fainted down. And Huon is looking over him saying, some words are never used to the High Lord. Don't tell the High Lord what he must do. That's right. And we get a great line in Fane's thoughts here. Fane decided 
how the man was going to die. Hint, hint. That will come true. Will it? Oh, yes. Is that a spoiler? That is a spoiler light. Okay. He's thinking it, and I'm just saying, remember, he's thinking it right now. Because <laughs> it's very entertaining if you remember he's thinking it right now. He planned it already. Now, there's some further conversation, mostly one-sided, as the High Lord details a few things here. And it's actually pretty significant exposition. Mm-hmm. Here's the key points. Turok suggests he may send Fane back across the ocean with the horn to Siander, to the Empress. Um, say that again for me? Siander. S- really? You think it's Shander? If it's the Shan-chan, it's Shandar. Wow, it should be. Oh, Shandar? Shandar. That makes sense. I don't know why I said Siander. Because it's, it's the Shan-chan. Shan-chan. <laughs> should be Shandar. I'm sure it's Shandar. Yeah. Man, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out now. <laughs> Actually, I probably weren't. You guys have it on the record. I'm an idiot. Particularly after a Long Island, I'm an idiot. Okay. I just Shandar. That, one, that makes so much more sense. Yeah. Could be Siander. Probably not. <laughs> Unless it's the Siander. Which it could be. But it's not. Okay. I'm pretty sure when I was first reading it, I kind of read it that way until I checked. As Siander? No, as Siander. <laughs> Or something. And then I looked and went, no, it's Shandar. Okay. Anyways, I'm going to send you back across the ocean to Shandar, to the Empress, as a novelty. Because you're like the only freaking person I've met over here who remembers and waits for the return. You're a novelty. And Fane's like excited and unfortunately can't hide that excitement. And suddenly, yeah, Turok's a little suspicious about that. Maybe Wait a I second. won't send you to the Empress. And maybe we won't send you right away. Hmm. But he also says he will not sound the horn. Turok no. wrote. Why not? Apparently, whoever sounds it is forever linked to it, at least until his death. Turok knows that, which I think is just impressive as is. He seems to know a lot about the old ways and the old history. He's a reader. But once someone has sounded it, then whoever anyone else sounds it afterwards, it's, it's just a horn. Just a bloody horn. And he happens to be 12th in line for the Crystal Throne. So if he did sound it, it'd be like he was I want kicking to be all Emperor. the 11 people in front of him right in the teeth. And there's an understanding he explains here that those who are in line for the throne, it's actually encouraged that they fight against each other, that they prove their worth over and above each other. So all 11 in front of him would be expecting him, if he blew the horn, to be making his claim as being superior to them. And, and they thus, would follow through by sending assassins and oh, killing him. All 11 would be trying to kill him. Even more, the Empress would be trying to kill him. Because if you're first in line, it's assumed that you're going to kill the Empress at some point and try to take their place. But not only that, the Empress currently, it's on record, favors her second daughter as her heir. Now, any of these could be the heir, but she has made it clear. Tuan, her second daughter, is her favored one, and she expects this person to become the new empress. So if you're outspoken about being a heavy rival there... She might take you out just to get you out of Tuan's way. Basically, blowing the horn would be a death sentence. Yep, even if you showed up saying, I pledge my undying loyalty to you, yeah, you blew the horn. You're dead. Because once you're dead, the horn is mine. Mm-hmm. When you're so, dead, you're dead. 
He's like, I am not blowing that freaking horn. I am sending it to the Empress. And not only that, I am saying very clearly, I am not blowing the freaking horn. I am sending it to the Empress because there are listeners. The ears have walls. Tell us about the, the listeners. The walls have ears. The ears might have walls, but that does not help them listen. I mean, I like to think the what do ear the, canal what's the listeners, has walls. Dude, tell us about listeners. I mean, they're basically spies and secret police all in one. Anywhere in the Shanshin Empire, there can be people who are officially listening for the Empress. I like to think it's somewhere between like the Gestapo and the Spanish Inquisition. I go to the KGB. The Soviet Union, they yeah. were famous for the KGB were everywhere listening. Or for those of you listening right now, hi, FBI agents. So we know listeners are everywhere and you don't know who might be listening. He actually says, Huan, who I've known since childhood, might be a listener. I can't know. And if a listener hears that I would say anything with a whiff of unfaithfulness, I could get turned over to the seekers of truth. And they will do anything they have to to dig the truth out of you. They are the Spanish Inquisition. I like to, I get the impression here that listeners and seekers have like a similar vibe and method to the Children of the Light. Oh, but they're much colder. But they're actually, I mean, they're colder, but they're actually also respected and like given authority. I'll get the authority part, but not respected, feared. I mean, absolutely feared to an extent. It's kind of synonymous. I get sometimes. nobody likes the listeners or the seekers, so there's not respect. You it's, don't have to. We like won't do a to... thing to put ourselves at risk of you grabbing us. You do not have to like someone to respect them. I don't get that they respect them though. It's just absolute terror. I well, first where I say respect, they have a position of authority. That authority is respected. Mm, we'll differ. That's all right. It's not a big thing. Yeah, anyway. Going on with that, Turok notes that, you know, no one would shed the blood of someone with the blood of Arthur Hawkwing, which he's implying he has. But, I mean, they could be hung from a silken bag. Yeah, if they were found guilty of something bad, treason, something, that's the punishment. They get hung by a, in a silken, silken bag, bag from the side of the Tower of the Ravens. Until the bag rots away. Or, so, you literally, know, you're just left Ravens there hanging. Or something, or... You just left there hanging. You die there. And eventually the bag deteriorates. That's cold. We also get one more piece of information. That the place where the Empress rules in Shandar mm -hmm. is called the Court of the Nine Moons. Cool. Okay. Information. There's our lore dump. Yeah. Lots of exposition. And we the chapter get to concludes. The yeah. Turok deciding Fane. Ah, you're going to amuse me. You're going to stay with me. I want to hear about your family, about your traditions, until I return to Shanshan and you will come with me then. Turok likes to talk and he likes to listen. So this is our second character we've seen has been just put to the side to talk with me. And then he dismisses Fane. But as Huan tries to escort him out, Fane pulls away and says, But wait, Hi Lord, you need to know. There are dark friends working with Trollocs who have been after me, and they're after the Horn. And their leader, he's a man named Randall Thor. Wherever he goes, this vile young man deep in the shadow, people die. He's a liar. He deceives people. You need to be aware. 
And Tarak notes, Okay, thank you. I'll make sure my people are watching out for him. And it, certainly if we find Dark Friends and Trollocs, we will kill them. Interesting. Trollocs, though. We don't have any Trollocs in Shanchen, Shandar, Shandar, whatever that is Shandar. over there. I've always wondered if a Grom could kill a Trolloc. Perhaps we'll find out. It would be a nice way to ease my boredom, because this place is so lame. Apparently. And then Fane does depart, and he's giggling. He's going, yes! Randall says- Thor is finally going to die! So you say here he giggles under his breath? Mm-hmm. How do you giggle under your breath? <laughs> That's not a. I can hear that. That's not under your breath. <laughs> Only because you're this close. I'm not that close to you. <laughs> I'm a, I mean, oh, you can practice giggling under your breath for the next week or so. Then we'll feel see like if at you can best it. it's more like a snicker if it's going to be under your breath, a right? Snicker. But Jordan used giggle. It's just weird. <laughs> and Fane is thinking. Not only will he finally see Althor dead. The world will pay for what was done to him. What was done to him? What is he uh, thinking lots of? Lots of things. Lots Any of idea things. what in particular he has in mind? I have an idea. <sighs> the world would pay for what was done to Fane? I don't think he... Well, I think this goes back into the thing that I'm going to talk about. Well, I'm just going to go with what we've already learned about, the mm-hmm. distilling. How he had been taken up to Shale Ghoul and made into a hound. It's not like we do know this. It's yes, we know this. We learned about it way back in Faldar when Moraine questioned him. And then that's not what I was going to talk about. The thing that I was going to At the same time, we learned it. Well, I'm not spilling anything we don't know yet. So if you're referencing something we don't know yet, save no, it for the spoiler room. I'm pretty sure we know it. Pretty sure. I don't think he's talking about Fane. I don't think Fane is talking about Fane. I think Fane's talking about I mean, Fane. he is. But it's not. And I'll, uh, yeah, I'll go yeah, a little right. deeper in the spoiler Something room. Something from Shadow uh, uh, Logoth. We can get to that in the spoiler it, it room It has if you been like. mentioned. But anyways, that's the end of the chapter. It's also the end of our episode. So that's where we will stop our regular content. Thank you for joining us today. We've got spoiler room coming up at the end. But before we move to that, we want to encourage you, as always, rate and review us. Really, we ask for your ratings. You know, we have like five five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. I'll take it. Oh, we love five-star ratings. We don't have any other star ratings at all. But if you've been listening and we've got a whole bunch more subscribers, we would really appreciate your help. Give us a rating. You can give us a review too, but just click a star. It doesn't well, take much no, time no, or effort. No, preferably five stars. Don't <laughs> click a star. That sucks. Click five stars. Let us know that that's why you're listening. You're enjoying the content we're putting out. We'd appreciate that. And if you want to write a review, add to what's there already. Thank you so much. But if you want to talk just to us or share any information, maybe things that you disagree with or that you missed, or rather we missed, hmm. reach out to us at our email, fantasyfortheages at gmail.com. You can connect to us on Discord. I'm putting a fresh, making sure it's working, Discord link every time we have one of these. Seriously, I make sure that they're set up as the link will last forever, and yet some of the links have turned out to be bad on our older episodes. I don't know how that works. Discord is free. I can't complain about a free service, but I'm making sure the current ones are relevant, and I'm also putting a active link 
on our Twitter account information. Mm. So if you find the link is bad, go to our Twitter and use the Discord link there. Come join us on Discord. Talk about what you thought about the episode or anything else about fantasy fiction. But as he mentioned, we also have a Twitter. You can find us there. We post relatively often. As often as Zach gives me content that Uh, I can put on Twitter. I'm not going to say it's every day, but it's most days. It's every day because I come up with something, but Zach helps out periodically. When I when I can and think of something. <laughs> um, but we also do technically have a Facebook. And we post our drink recipes amongst some other things on our Instagram. Absolutely. And if you'd like to support us in an elevated way and be able to interact at higher levels with this podcast. Such as live. We have a Patreon page. So the link to our Patreon is there. You can go there and support us a little as a dollar a month. And you're saying, hey, guys, I appreciate you. And I want to be able to join you occasionally for a live recording. And if you choose one of the higher tiers, there are other benefits that you get to connect with. So check it out. We'd love to have your support. Thank you so much. Join our growing group of Patreons. Now, all that being said, it's time for us to enter... The spoiler room. So, rock, paper, scissors, who's going to spoil first? Yes! Have it. I've got it. We did three papers in a row, and finally I went to scissors, and he was still paper! I kept it there. So what the heck am I going to spoil? Whatever you want. Yeah. Well, I, I can't... There's lots of stuff, especially from, like, the lore dump. Oh, I can't say that I thought very heavily ahead of time. I mean, there's a lot of things I could spoil. You spoil a lot of short-term things in the episode, so. Light spoil. Light spoil. Maybe you don't want to go first if you didn't think about it. (laughs) Too bad. It's a matter of which thing I want to spoil. Okay, I'm going to spoil. Tom. Yeah. Tom Marilyn, at the end of the chapter, Mm -hmm. he's clearly thinking of vengeance. His lady fair, Dina, has been killed. And he can't kill Barthanus. But there's someone still alive who clearly is now tied to what has ruined his current circumstance. And that would be King Galdrian. Yeah. So a spoiler would be that, okay, we saw fires in the distance. The granaries are ablaze. There's mention of riots coming. Yeah, there's a full-blown civil war coming because Tom is going to go kill the king. So then, the, I mean, at that point, isn't it more of a war of secession than... No, it's a war of nothing. Because there's a huge void. Because the two most powerful houses, yeah. both have their people dead. Barthanus yeah. is dead. Galdrian's dead. Because Tom kills Galdrian. Plus, the granaries are burnt to shreds, which was the food. So you've got the two most powerful people are dead two most powerful houses their leaders are gone and the food that had been provided is gone and so you have people starving and you have a power vacuum and into this gap we will eventually have a yield <laughs> yeah and we haven't gone there nearly at all yet we've met the Aiel already but there's going to be an introduction of Aiel into that void led by rand and so we're going to get to a point where Rand, this is way out there, but Rand is going to step into that vacuum because there's no leadership here. But that's quite a bit down the I mean, story still. To be fair, it's kind of his fault. So it was his job to step in. And Tom's fault. We have weeks. We have months, I think, actually. No, I know. We have months, months 
where Kyrian is just going to be in disarray. People are going to be suffering. And finally, when something steps into that power gap, Rand, uh, it'll be somewhat, yay! A little bit, at least. <laughs> Before Rand shows up, it's going to be the Tyrans, the Tyran High Lords, who get sent to Kyrian by Rand to step in. But that's stuff we haven't talked about at all. And is it successful? Well, mostly. Kind of. Yeah. But so that's a result that comes from both Rand's influence that led to Barthanus's death and Tom's action that leads to King Galdrian's death and leaving that gap. And there's going to be a lot of misery that happens for a while. That's my spoiler. Is it the and you're tier- frowning. The Tyrans from Tyr or the Tyran lords from Tyr? Yeah, I guess that's how they pronounce it. It's weird. Tyran yeah, no, it's, from it's, Tyr. It always messes my brain, but I think that's... I believe you're right. The Tyran high lords from Tyr. It's weird. It is. Anyways, my spoil? Yes, your spoil. So we technically have talked about how Thane, after distilling Shadow Logoth, Mordeth is a thing, right? But there's a couple parts, especially in his talking with Turok here, where I'm like, it's not Fane coming through, it's Mordeth coming through. And I think we're seeing more and more and more. Like, for example, how does he know all this information and all these details? Because he's remembering it. Mm-hmm. He basically was there. So he remembers. That being said, clearly doesn't remember everything. No. Because the first one entrusted in his family knew the secret. Theoretically, Mordeth probably knew how to open the box. But Fane doesn't have access to every piece of information. He's only got parts because he also has Fane bits, and somehow you know, that got lost. Mordeth predates Arthur Hawkwing by about a thousand years. But, and here's more spoil, was there, possibly. Only as Cheddar Logoth Mordeth waiting. I like to think that, yes... The Art to Hawkwing stuff, that was Ishamael's doing, right? Yeah. But the evil that Shadar Logoth wants nothing to do with Ishamael and but the Dark One. But it keeps tabs here and there with pieces of the world. Not everything. Can't escape the walls. Exactly. But it catches bits and pieces that came in. Okay. It also was around before Arthur Hawkwing. Yes. It's reasonable back then. Knew about the actual, like, the box, Age of Legends stuff. So some of this, I'm probably spitballing and I'm totally off and wrong. No, if it knew about the box, it would have I don't shown think, Fane how to open the box. I don't think Fane knows everything Mordeth knows. I don't think Mordeth knows everything Fane knows. I think there are gaps and pieces of all of it. That's how you get this amalgamation. You don't get a two, full two people perfectly seamlessly What's the box together. from? Age of Legends. Right. Mordeth is not Age of Legends. No. Mordeth is more recent, thus Mordeth doesn't know how to open the box. That would imply that no one more recent can know how to open the box, and yet we've seen people here 3,000 years later knowing how to open the box. Some who have studied information from the Age of Legends know how to open the box. Maybe. That's some of them how who, I interpret that. I think some of them who know how to open it may have studied that and may just also have interest in things similar. Some may just be Hellraiser fans and know how to open a box. I don't think every Aes Sedai necessarily studies everything from the Age of Legends. Are you familiar with Hellraiser at all? Is that the guy with all the needles in his head? Pinhead, yeah. Yeah. And there's a box. And it's a bad thing when you open the box. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's another dark road. Um, But the other... Oh, goodness. What was the other big piece of Fane stuff that I wanted to talk about here? I don't know. You're spoiled. 
We're about to hit two hours on the recording. <laughs> I don't know. My brain is fried. We've been at this two hours for two chapters. I think it's been long enough. Fane, Mordeth, all that stuff. Great stuff. I have lots of thoughts and I want to know more, and I'm down to have a whole episode just talking about him. And maybe we'll invite a guest on to just talk about Fane. That sounds kind of fun. But until then, we'll talk to you next time.